This podcast was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit lifelanks.org. In the midst of Easter, as we finish our series, we're thinking about the aftermath of Easter. Because in the midst of Jesus is risen, he is not here moment from the tomb. There is so many questions. There is whispers. There is rumors. And then we find in the, New, in the New Testament, in these four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we find five encounters with the real, risen, flesh-on-bones Jesus. Whether it's the two guys on the road to Emmaus, or Mary in the garden at the tomb, or him appearing to the disciples as he comes through a wall, like something out of the Matrix or something, or whether it's the great commissions that we read in a number of different parts of Scripture. Well, this morning I want to focus on part of the story of one of those five encounters as people felt lost, confused, maybe they didn't know what was going on or what was going to happen, but Jesus appeared to make things clear. And for one person, the aftermath of Easter weighed heavy in their heart, and I think also in their gut. You know when, you know when something you're just feeling that, the weight of something or the guilt of something or whatever it might be, it's not just in your heart, it's in your gut. Yeah. You know, most of the disciples had fled, and John was left there standing at the cross. So we think, John's awesome, what a good guy. And then maybe we think about Judas and think, well, he went and killed himself. Life had got that bad for him. I didn't think that he was redeemable. And then we see Peter, who maybe he felt he'd done more than flee. So let's pick up the story in John 21, and we're going to see Jesus meeting with Peter and some of the disciples. It's going to be on the screen as well. You can also turn to it in your phones or in your paper Bibles. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It had happened this way. Simon Peter... Thomas, known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two of the disciples were there. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you got any fish? No, they answered. And he said to them, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to hold the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the, disciples whom Jesus, sorry, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard this and heard him say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed him in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning with coals, with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Jesus making breakfast, that's pretty cool. I mean, if anyone's going to make awesome breakfast, it's going to be Jesus. I mean, not everyone eats fish for breakfast, but I'm sure it was awesome. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 to be exact. But even then, with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. 
None of the disciples dare ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Um, Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they were finishing eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And again, Jesus, and so Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said to Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because he'd asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know of all things, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you that when you were younger, you dressed yourself and when you want, uh, when you, sorry, went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch your hands out and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. That references Peter's death, actually, because he was crucified, but he chose to be crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified the way that Jesus was, according to some historians. Jesus said, in the final verse, Jesus said, this is to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, come, follow me. Follow me. This is an amazing encounter. But we've got to understand something about the backstory of Peter and what was going on here. Peter, this disciple who, yes, had fled, but he'd, he'd had this moment of denying Jesus in the courtyards and the outside of where Jesus was being trialed and tested and, um, and tortured. And he'd gone back to his old ways. He'd gone back to fishing, and then they saw this stranger on the beach. They saw this person who they thought they might know, but when they heard his voice and they heard him call him friends, Peter didn't just wait to get in the boat to get there. He put on his coat, because he's probably not wearing much without going into it too much, because he was fishing. He didn't want his clothes to think of fish. And he put on his, his, his outer garments, his cloak, and he got into the water. And then we have this really interesting conversation. Is, is Jesus having breakfast? And you think, why, why is, you know, is Jesus trying to humiliate Peter? Well, we know that's not what Jesus does. But he's asking these questions in front of people. And, and, and Peter's feeling hurt. He's feeling, but God, you know, Jesus, you know what I've done. You know that I've denied you. You know that I'd, I'd fled. And you're asking me in front of these people, do I love you? Like, is that, do you not know my heart? I thought you were God. And you know, there's all these things going through his head. But Jesus asked him three times. And I think there's such a significance in why he asked him three times. And I believe it's because he denied Jesus three times. And in this moment, Jesus is reinstating Peter. And if you would just implore me for a moment with a little bit of poetic license, but a kind of a bit of logic as well. It's the morning, we know that from the scripture. It's breakfast, therefore it's definitely the morning. And what happens in the morning? What animal makes a noise in the morning? The cockerel crows. Because when P Peter denied Jesus three times, what happened? The cockerel crowed. And so if I was Peter and I denied Jesus, every morning when I wake up and I hear the cockerel crow, what do I think about? I have a heavy heart. I have guilt in my gut because I hear the sound of denial. 
But then Jesus chooses to reinstate him in the morning. So just a little bit of poetic license. What might have been the background noise going on in that moment as Jesus reinstates Peter? Maybe, just maybe, it was a cockerel crowing. And this morning, I'd love this message to to help us as we think about as Jesus reinstating Peter. In the midst of the aftermath of Easter, Jesus I'm saying, I'm restoring your identity in me. That when we think about the word identity, when we think about our identity, maybe we have a heavy heart. Maybe we have things in our gut. Maybe we think, I've tried this, I've tried that. I don't really know who I am. But let this, this morning, become the sound and this scripture become the sound that helps us to understand more of who God has created us to be. As Jesus reinstates Peter in this moment. Maybe you feel like Peter. You, you feel like, oh, you know, I've had great moments with God this year already. But I've gone back into my old identity. This morning, can I invite you to maybe get out of the boat before the boat gets to the shore and put on the coat. But put on a different kind of coat. You see, because when Peter got out of the boat, he put on his old coat. He put on his old cloak. This is my work gilet. I uh, got it in a charity shop. It's awesome. You can put tools in stuff. It's pretty, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty battered and beaten, though it may not look that way. I tried to clean it up a bit. But Peter puts on his old coat. He puts on his, the way he was living. He was coming to the shore. He was excited to see Jesus, but what he was bringing was his old identity. Because that's where he'd gone back to. And that's how, what he was wearing. And I don't know about you, but uh, maybe if you're... If there's still a, a young person in this room, then maybe you've got some of these questions. But when I was a teenager, and maybe for a lot of us when we reflect back, if we're not currently a teenager, we had a lot of questions around who am I, where am I going, what do I do, um, all, of these, all of these different things. And I know as a teenager what I did, there was kind of like old identity and I'd, I'd wear that a bit. But really what I did was I flip-flopped. Just got to hang this up neatly. I flip-flopped between multiple different kinds of people. And what I did was, this wasn't my coat when I was a teenager, this is my wife's, okay? Which you will see why I'm using it in just a moment. But it was kind of like I flip-flopped between kind of with this group of people over here who like this kind of music and wore these kind of clothes and, and they were known as chavs at the time. And then, um, and then I had all these other friends who were into heavy metal and I had my one black t-shirt that I wore to everything and my, and my one pair of certain jeans and, and they were my friends at school and I had these friends in another group and I, and I went in between them but I never spent any time thinking about who I was in God and actually I tried to put on someone else's stuff and you know, it just didn't fit, it didn't feel good, it didn't look good, it didn't sound good. And you know what? It just wasn't helpful. It didn't fit properly. You know, God's created us to live one life, to play one role on the stage of life that he invites us into. And if we spend it trying to fit into someone else's, number one, we will do a bad job at being someone else. And number two, you'll miss out on being the person that God created you to be. And so Peter, there wasn't necessarily anything wrong with fishing, but he chose to go back to an old life. And maybe there was other people and disciples that were flip-flopping in between different kind of lives. But then Jesus says, hey, this is who you are. This is your identity. It's based in your love 
for me because it's because that reminds you of how much I love you, of God's immeasurable love for Peter, this one role that he's inviting him into. And so Jesus brings Peter back to who he's created him to be. Peter had forgotten his identity. And sometimes our identity can get lost in our job or in our role, or maybe even being a parent, or in our, with our friends, or with our family. And there's nothing wrong with any of these things. It's just our identity is not solely in those things. This week, um, I was at a, a festival called Spring Harvest serving, and, and me and Marina and Matthew and Zach were there and loving it, and seeing God do all sorts of amazing things. And when you're on team there, and there's thousands of people on site, you have to wear a badge when you're on team, particularly if you're working with young people, vulnerable adults, just so people know that you, you know, you're, you're safe and whatever and these things. But people ask you questions when you wear a badge. You know, if you're not in a Butlins outfit there, then they ask you a question because they think you know the answers. And my badge had something else on it that clearly meant that people asked me all the random questions. And so I'm meant to be serious in that moment, leading this venue of about a thousand adults and young adults and, and, and doing all these things and God's moving. And then one afternoon I decided... I'm going to create a bit more space for Marina to finish preparing her final talk for the final morning. And uh, I'll take Grace and we'll go swimming. And so um, Grace loves water. It's my daughter, Grace. She's just gone out there. And um, she, she loves being in the water and all these things. And so I packed the bags, did all the stuff. I think I still had my badge on because it had like the, the car to get back into my room in. And uh, got there. Real First mistake when I got to the pool... Realized didn't have a pound for the locker. <laughs> so already I'm thinking we're taking all the stuff to the pool. All the stuff to the side of the pool. Uh, it's got my phone, got my keys, got multiple bags. And, you know, if, if you've got a baby, you know there's like one item for you, 15,000 for them. Um, and so we're at, got all this pile of stuff at the side of the pool. Obviously no one else has. No one else has got a pile of stuff at the side of the pool. And then I quickly realize um, after I've changed her, where do I change? And where do I put her while I change? Um, so I won't go into details, just in case anyone from social services here. But uh, she was safe the whole time. Um, and she's perfectly fine. But it was at the end of the swimming the problem really came. Because if getting changed was hard enough, getting then showered and changed back was even harder. And so I made the bold and important decision that I was going to walk back to our chalet in my sliders... And my flip-flops, putting a t-shirt on, but wearing these swimming shorts. <laughs> now, I love these swimming shorts, okay? These are some of my favorite swimming shorts. And when I say favorite, they're the only ones that fit at the minute. Um, and so I'm walking through, thankfully our chalet wasn't a million miles away, as the guy who's meant to be able to be asked questions in a camouflage t-shirt, these in a pair of sliders, or just to note it was Wednesday, I don't know what the weather was like for you on Wednesday, Baltic, and something like a hurricane coming over, we had to shut venues and everything. And so I'm there, and they also carry my daughter, just wrapped her up in all sorts, just to like keep her warm till we get back, and then we can get changed. But in that moment, my identity, my identity was never in a role that I did this week. My identity was, was never in that for life. Roles can help us understand more about who God's created us to be as we have a go at things or, or try things. And it was my identity completely as a father. But in that moment, I was just reminded that I'm a human. <laughs> and, and I make 
mistakes, obviously. And in that moment, I was very, very human in, in, in that moment. But actually, it doesn't matter um, what my role was, or even my role as a father, that none of this is underpinned by one thing. That my identity is in Christ. My identity is in him. And so when Jesus says to Peter, hey, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. You think, well, that sounds like a job. That sounds like a role. Why is Jesus saying this to Peter? I'm getting rather warm. Why is Jesus saying this to Peter? He's like, well, that sounds like a job. Well, no, it's, it's a way of calling Peter back to who he's created him to be. It's a way of him inviting Peter and reminding him, it's not just the job I've called you to do, it's who I've created you to be. And, and Jesus uses these things in all of our lives to say, hey, this thing that I'm inviting you into, this thing I'm involving you in, whatever that might be, it's to show you some of who I've created you to be. I don't want you just to do this thing forever. But Jesus using that as an example, as a way of calling Peter, yes, to do a role, but actually calling him back to who he's created him to, him, him to be. And Jesus always restores our identity. Jesus takes the past and turns it into something good. It doesn't matter how distorted our reality of our identity has become. Jesus is inviting us into who he's created us to be. However lost we feel, as we heard such a great message from Pete last week, wherever we might find ourselves, even when we're lost at home, you know, like the older brother in the story of the lost son, Jesus is calling us into the identity he's created us to live. And this morning, Jesus is inviting us to step out into that. And you feel like, actually, I don't know where my identity is, and I feel like my life's all, all over the place in different things. Jesus wants to restore. Jesus wants to bring it back together and bring us back to who he's created us to be. Our identity is in God, in the three persons of the Trinity. And so, when we think about that, our identity originates in Creator God. Our identity originates in Creator God. Ephesians 2, verse 10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. We are his best idea. We are his greatest creation. Identity is an everyday choice that we get to choose. Even when you know, we think about Jesus is about to die and Peter did what he did, he kept going outside. He kept going further out and out in this courtyard, in this space. He was moving further and further away as he did these denials, away from who God had created him to be. He was stepping away from his identity in Jesus because he was scared of what it meant to associate with Jesus. And every day we're faced with the opportunity to choose our identity to be in God. And whatever that might look like in our relationships with others, in our workplace, wherever it might be, to carry our identity in God. That actually we don't want to flip-flop between the new identity that God has given us and the old or, or trying to be someone else. But God is inviting us to come back to who he has created us to be. It's in creator God that we understand our identity, that we are God's masterpiece. And it's something we get to choose every day. Not choosing to be God's masterpiece, but choosing to see ourselves as God's masterpiece. Choosing to see ourselves the way he's created us to be. The second thought is this, is that identity is unlocked, is unlocked by the Son. Our identity, our identity is unlocked by the Son, Jesus. Without Jesus, we can't live life to the full. Because of our mistakes and the things we got wrong. But with Jesus, 
We are invited to live life to the full. We are invited to embrace everything that is God for us because of the cross and the resurrection. We can access the, our identity in him. I love what Isaiah writes hundreds of years before Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead. He says this in Isaiah 61 verse 10. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and a bride adorns herself with jewels. We are made right by what Jesus did on the cross, as Shahid shared earlier, in communion. And therefore, we can step into the place that God has created us to be, into the people God has created us to be, the identity that he has got for us. And so I love that verse because it talks about us wearing the righteousness, wearing the fact that God has made us right. And so Jesus meets us where we are. He's not saying, hey, you need to do this, that, and the other. Therefore, you can access your identity. But he meets us where we're at. So whatever problems we're facing in our mistakes, in our family, in our friends, in our workplace, in whatever it might be, whoever we think we should be, whatever things have been put on us, Jesus says, hey, I know where you're at. I understand the things that you're wrestling with. I understand that you've gone back to fishing. I understand that you're trying to be multiple different people, but let me remind you of who, you've, who I've created you to be. And Peter discovered this early on in his life. It says this in Matthew 16, and it was almost like Jesus wanted to bring him back to this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what do people say the Son of Man is, referring to himself? They replied, some say John the Baptist, Others say Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So Peter declares who Jesus is. That's key for what's about to happen next. He says, Jesus, this is who you are. We do that in worship, in some worship every week. And, and we get to do that for the rest of our week. And then it goes on to say this, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, by other humans, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. On, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he actually said to his disciples, but don't tell anyone that I'm the Messiah yet, basically, because it was going to lead to, Jesus knew what that would lead to. See, Peter was on a journey with Jesus. Peter declared who Jesus was. And, and Jesus reminds Peter of his true identity. You know, Simon means reed, blown backwards and forwards by the wind. You know, I felt like that as a teenager. I just felt blown backwards and forwards by what was cool or what wasn't. But then Jesus says, Peter means rock, steadfast. And the closer we get to Jesus, the more we discover who we are. Most people at some point in life ask, why am I on planet Earth? Why am I here? Why do I exist? What am I supposed to do in my life? And we believe that we find it in Jesus because he's the creator, but he's also the son who unlocks our identity so that we can live the life that he's called us to live, the adventure he's calling us onto. And Jesus helps us to have wisdom and understanding 
In moments like with the disciples in Matthew 16, to imitate him and understand who he is, Jesus spoke prophetically, speaking life and future, that's what that means, into Peter's life, who he created him to be, who he's calling him to be. And Peter at that point was hungry for Jesus. He was hungry for more of Jesus. And on that day in John 21, he was hungry to get out of the boat and to get to Jesus. And focusing on Jesus shows, shows us the difference that it can make. Because as Peter got out of that boat, he was just wanting to get to Jesus as fast as possible. He just wanted to be with Jesus. Because he knew that if anyone would forgive him, it was Jesus. If anyone knew what his heart really was, it was Jesus. You know, it's like when we look in the mirror. Maybe if the band could come and help me out. It's like when we look in the mirror and we see ourselves, it shows us who we are. And maybe you're scared when you look in the mirror. It depends what time of day it is. But when we look in the mirror, we, we begin to see maybe things that we want to change or whatever. But when Jesus sees us, he says, this is... I've created you as a masterpiece. I've created you beautiful. I've created you made in my image. And our identity is found most when we stop looking just at ourselves and start looking at Jesus. Because when we look at ourselves, we'll probably, probably see a lot of problems because <laughs> we're broken and Jesus is restoring us. But when we focus on Jesus, it's kind of, kind of a bit like Jesus first, you might have seen it. That when we focus on Jesus, when we fix our eyes on him, we understand more of who he has created us to be. And then finally, as we, und- we discover more of who God has created us to be in the spirit. Peter, from this moment, then did some incredible things. But I can only attribute it. Yes, Jesus gave them a great commission and a call of what to do. But in this moment, something shifted for him. He took off the old. He put on the new. He, thought, he, he regained the identity that God had given him. He centered himself on God. And then the Holy Spirit used him powerfully. You see, when, when the Holy Spirit helps us, we might, Jesus is saying, hey, this is your identity now. In this moment. At this point. And maybe we've not discovered it all. And so that's why I brought this big coat, because this big coat, it's oversized, it's too big, it's got more to it. And what the Spirit says is it's not just about how how you understand yourself. Now I've got more for you. I've got even more. And there's more to discover through the rest of our lives. And as, and as Peter stood up in Acts 2 on that day of Pentecost, and he t- talked about who Jesus was and how Jesus changed his life and how he could change other people's, and thousands of people responded. Was he the best preacher? We don't have a clue. But was he someone whose identity was rooted in God? Was, did he know who he was in God? Yes, we can believe that. And we can know that's the place he spoke from. Because he knew that God wanted to do even more through him. Even more than he didn't understand. Even more that we can't even comprehend. As the Spirit fills us and empowers us, we become ambassadors of him. Showing others what is possible with God and with him. So let's not be defined by other people's voices. Let's surround ourselves with people who can encourage us and remind us that our identity is in Christ. Yes, there's people that we need to spend time with and journey with and say, hey, I'm inviting you to be part of what God is up to. I want to see God change your life. 
But can I encourage you, if you're not in a life group, if you're not in a small group, then please get in one because that is a group of people who are going to encourage you in your identity in Christ. The Spirit will use scriptures and others to remind us of our identity in Him, of who He's created us to be. And so we need to, I think, take a moment to reflect and say, Jesus, what, what, is, what is stopping us from accessing our identity in you? What is getting in the way, maybe? No matter what storms of life come, no matter what we do, Jesus is always going to say, my love is enough. My grace is enough. And I'm always going to help you come back to who I've created you to be. And the Spirit then helps us in the more. To discover more of what God has got for us. But let's just take a moment to say, what, what, what is maybe blurring my understanding or, or getting in the way or distracting me or maybe when I think about identity, I'm just, I'm just feel pulled in two different directions or I feel like I'm wearing the old and I'm not sure who God's created me to be. So we need to, I think, take a moment to reflect and say, Jesus, what, what, is, what is stopping us from accessing our identity in you? What is getting in the way maybe? No matter what storms of life come, no matter what we do, Jesus is always going to say, my love is enough. My grace is enough. And I'm always going to help you come back to who I've created you to be. And the Spirit then helps us in the more. To discover more of what God has got for us. But let's just take a moment to say, what, what, what is maybe blurring my understanding or, or getting in the way or distracting me? Or maybe when I think about identity, I'm just, I'm just feel pulled in two different directions. Or I feel like I'm wearing the old, and I'm not sure who God's created me to be. If you found this podcast inspiring and helpful, then we'd love for you to get in touch via at lifelanks on social media or our website, lifelanks.org. Life Church, impacting our neighbours, our nation, and the nations with the good news about Jesus.